Welcome to Tips for the Transition, where we have deep, meaningful conversations about how significant changes can affect us, our families, relationships, and careers, and how we can move through those changes with more ease and grace. I'm your host, Maria Tomas Keegan, Certified Career and Life Coach for Women, and I'm here to help you navigate the messy seasons of life. In the fifth season of the podcast, we'll focus on career transition because in this post-pandemic world, many women are re-examining how they think and feel about their work lives. So we answer big questions like, who am I now? And how do I move on from here? The resources we create with each episode can help women move from panic to powerful and from rocky to resilient. So if you're ready to consider new options, be inspired, and meet incredible women who are on this life journey with us, you're in the right place. This is Tips for the Transition. Hello, hello. I'm so happy you've joined us and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Maria Tomas Keegan, your host. One of the things I love to do is help professional women who want to feel fulfilled in their careers but don't and who want to create more harmony in their lives when something feels like it's missing. Because I believe when your career is a soulful fit, it won't become a soul-sucking experience. And everybody wins when you're doing what you love to do. And another thing I love to do is introduce you to inspiring guests uh, who are role models and resources to help you explore other career options. So if something strikes a chord as you're listening today, uh, check out the notes below if you want more information or ways to connect with my guest and me. So today, I want to share another story about a woman who reimagined her career after the one she trained for and loved so much didn't pan out the way she expected. And that happens a lot. Joanne Kaminsky is a teacher and reading specialist and had to stop teaching. It took her some trial and error to discover her next best move, but she did. And she's going to share that journey with us in just a minute. Joanne is the founder of the Online Tutor Coach, where she helps other tutors who are great at tutoring, but struggle with attracting students. Through her work, Joanne impacts over 20,000 tutors on her YouTube channel, Facebook group, Instagram, and podcast. And she's the author of a book, and it's called How to Start an Online Tutoring Business, Making Four to Five Figures a Month. Who doesn't want that? These stories are important to share, I think, because they prove that experience, skills, and passion can translate from one career to another when you get creative and when you want or need to make the change, especially if you want to make it badly. We call this episode Detour from Teaching to Ikigai. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It is my pleasure to have you. I really appreciate you joining us to share this story of yours. Because as I said, I think it's important that others hear these kinds of stories so that they know what's possible. 
Yeah. So let's absolutely. get started. Let's get started a little with a little bit of your backstory. When did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? You know, I wasn't one of those kids that knew right away when they were a kid. I liked playing school, but um, I actually thought I was going to go to college to become a lawyer. <laughs> And I I ended up, uh, when I went to college, I joined a mock trial club. And as I was part of that group, I learned a lot about the law that didn't necessarily kind of sit with me and who I was. Um, you know, the fact that you kind of have to still stand up for somebody that you know is guilty, even if you know they are guilty, those kinds of things didn't really sit well with me. And they, they kind of made me rethink what it is that I want to do. And it was in my second year in college that I realized, you know what? Everyone has always told me that I'm really good with kids. I like school. Maybe teaching could be the next path. And so I uh, went to the guidance counselor and we started talking about the, the path to become a teacher and, and work in the school system. Well, from, from thinking you wanted to be a lawyer to being a teacher. I, th- I think it's a, it's a big jump. It's a big leap. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your experience with teaching. So I started off in the inner city in Milwaukee. I worked at a school for eight years. It was a brand new charter school. And this particular school um, literally was so new that when we walked into our classroom, the very first thing that we saw was that there were no desks there were no chairs, <laughs> there was no furniture, nothing inside of that classroom. It was completely blank, which was, you know, in, in some ways can be really, really exciting. But that's how new the school was. We even had to put the, the furniture together. Um, thank goodness everybody stayed safe because uh, my my skills to put you know furniture together is, is not in my forte. So, <laughs> but the first day came around and my very first experience with a student was um, a little boy named DeAndre who came up to me and he had a pencil and he was tapping my back with a sharp pencil to get my attention. And I turn around, I'm like, who in the world is doing that? And I realize this is one of my students. And that was like, that was about pretty much how my entire year went. I had, I thought I had a classroom of kids that were special needs kids. I had never met kids in my life who behaved or acted or done the things that these kids were doing. It was a very stressful environment. I mean, kids were fighting every day. They, and this was third grade. I had kids who would throw their desks. I had kids that would, had one kid who would bang his head on a, on a metal cabinet. And this was regular education. This wasn't a special education classroom. I had one little boy. He was, um, he was homeless and he didn't live in a home and he crawled around the floor instead of trying to sit in the seat. And so my goal was to try to get him to sit in his seat so the rest of the kids could learn. But imagine I've got all these different fires that I'm constantly trying to put out while I'm trying to teach these kids. And most of these kids were below grade level when it came to reading. So I had, we had in our school at that time, 30% of our kids were reading on grade level which means 70% were not reading on grade level. So most of these kids can't read at a third grade level. And I'm trying to teach them. And it's just mayhem. I mean, my classroom management skills obviously needed needed a lot of work. And so the next year I took a class, it was called an, it was an anger management class. And I thought I was going to learn how to deal with the anger of my students. And I didn't realize 
that I actually had a lot of hidden anger that I had never dealt with. And so when I learned how to deal with my own anger, and then I was able to, you know, talk to the kids about the anger that they had inside, I was able to build some really deep relationships with these kids. And my second year inside of a classroom was like night and day compared to the first year. I mean, these kids, they really respected me. They might not have always behaved while they were out of my sight. Um, there were still definitely issues and kids doing things that you wouldn't expect kids to do at a fourth grade level. Um, but it was it was definitely a lot better than that first year. The third year, I ended up um, being so good at teaching these kids that I was asked to train other teachers in our reading program and also in the classroom management skills that I had discovered to be able to help kids be able to thrive inside of the classroom. And so I was actually teaching in my own classroom and traveling across the country, helping other teachers learn our reading curriculum, which I loved. And then I ended up getting pregnant. And I was like, gosh, I don't know if I can work these kinds of hours anymore. I mean, I was working from six o'clock in the morning until about six o'clock every single night. And I was thinking, this really isn't going to work if I have kids in the mix, too. And so I decided um, I was going to leave that school. And when my the principal found out that I wanted to leave, she asked if I'd like to take on a different position, but not working as many hours. And I immediately took her up on that. So I rose up to become the reading curriculum coordinator for that school. And I held on to that position for five years. Wow. Wow. You know, it, it's really interesting to hear the, the evolution, your evolution Mm-hmm. As as you were following these kids through their third and fourth, etc. grades, and how you realized that in order to work with them on their anger issues, you really had to address your own, which is so, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, that's what a teacher does, right? You teach what you know. Right. So that was just another another lesson you had to learn in order for you to help your students even more. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, why did you decide to leave teaching altogether? Well, you know, we got a new principal. And so the new principal that came in, um, you know, just wasn't it just really changed a lot of things. And I had already been at that place where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do what I was doing anymore. I mean, really my job ended up being that I had to go into these classrooms. I had to teach the teachers how to do classroom management because without classroom management, you can't teach reading. We had a 50% turnover of teachers every single year. And every year we were getting 50% new first year teachers. And so I felt like the system was bigger than I was, that there were certain things that were happening inside of the school system that one person can't solve all of that. Like, why did we only get first-year teachers? I have no idea. I can't solve that. I'm not in charge of hiring, right? Like, the the kids, they don't go home. They don't have books in their homes. It's not their fault. So they're not reading. But I can't control that, right? None of those things I can control. And I thought, well, maybe I can control going to a new school where things are different and the grass is greener. And it wasn't. It was actually worse. And even though 90% of our kids were reading on grade level at the new school, 
the administration and the teachers and all, all of the stuff, it was just a nightmare. It was, it was, there was so much gossip happening behind people's backs and really mean things happening that I actually ended up getting sick. Um, I had a pain one, one just randomly, it was like Thanksgiving and I remember the day before Thanksgiving, all of a sudden I had this like attack in my side. And I, I was, I was looking at my house. I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. I don't know what's going on. This is the most painful thing I've ever experienced. By this point, I've had kids, so I, I have no pain, but I was just like, this is the most painful thing I seriously have ever experienced. I need to go to the hospital. And he's like, oh, just take some of my back pain medicine. You'll be fine. So I did. I listened to him and I just took the back pain medicine. It did take the pain away. But every single day, it was like Groundhog's Day. If you've ever seen that movie where, you know, the the actor wakes up and, you know, he begins a new day. Well, for me, I would wake up every single day and the side, my, the side of the pain in my side would be fine. It wouldn't be anything big. It would be just like, I knew it was there, but it wasn't really annoying me. And then as the day progressed, it hurt more and more and more to the point when I got home from work, I would have to go to bed because I was in so much pain. Oh, wow. And I was just like, I cannot live this way. I was living, I was going in and out of the hospital. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I even went for mental help because I had people starting to tell me that this was all in my head. And I was like, I will get whatever help I need to get healthy again. Right. You know, like, is it because at that point I was, I was eating really, really well. So it, it wasn't food based. I, you know, the only thing we can think of is that there was anxiety going on inside of my body that I wasn't able to recognize, stress. which caused, yeah, stress and anxiety, which which really caused that to be there. And so I took uh, a three-month leave of absence from there and then um, so that I could focus on my health. I came back to finish off the school year and I sat in my office chair and all of a sudden I just, I heard this voice and it said, you are not meant to be here. And, and I, I sat with that for a while and I thought, if I'm not meant to be here, where am I meant to be? Like, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to do next. Like I've trained so hard to become, you know, a reading specialist. You know, I've, I've gone on to, I went to college to be a teacher. I went to get my master's as a reading specialist. Like my entire career has been spent trying to get better at teaching reading. So if not this, what? Mm. And yeah. so that was really a scary place, I think, to be at that point in time. But, you know, I had those fears I think a lot of people have, like, well, if I don't have this income coming on in, then we won't be able to pay our bills. And if we can't pay our bills, we're going to lose our house. And if we lose our house, where are we going to live? And, you know, we'll be homeless. And, you know, I, I, I created this whole entire story. And I, and I just said, but what if? Mm -hmm. What if you left found something that you were able to do that didn't cause so much stress and anxiety in your life? Mm, what if it's a great question? You know, I, I just want to I want to dig in just a little bit here uh, about the because these are the kinds of questions that I get from my clients all the time. You know, I've 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 prepared for this particular uh, profession. I've I've gone to school for it. I just like you just said, you know, I you you went to uh, you got an advanced degree so that you could be better at what you 
wanted to do in the world, and then things just didn't meet your expectations. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, just talk a little bit about some of the emotions that came up for you when you started to question, if not this, what? What came up? You, you know, I, I was scared, definitely. Um, there's, there's scared that, you know, we're scared when we don't know what's next. Right. And I think that's just like a, kind of a, a normal emotion. I was, I was scared. My husband made sure that I actually signed a, um, I'll be able to come back in one year. Pretty much. If you can't figure out what you want to do in the next year, <laughs> you have a way to still come back. So I have like that yeah. safety, but I was like, I'm not coming back to teaching. Like I knew inside of my head, no, I am not coming back into the classroom. It's not. Because you heard that voice, right? Yeah. You heard that voice that, that said, this is not where you're meant to be. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I listened to my husband too, because, you know, I have a relationship obviously that I have to respect and out of respect, I signed that paperwork, but inside of my head, I didn't tell him this. I'm never coming back to teaching. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we, uh, we introduced a word that a lot of people may not know in the title of, of this episode um, this is your detour from teaching to Ikigai. So for those who don't know, what is Ikigai? So it's a Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being. And your Ikigai is really like, what are you meant to do in life, right? There's these four circles that overlap and it, it, it starts with what we love what we're good at, what the world needs, and what we can be paid for. And it's these four circles that all overlap together. And the what we're love and what we're good at, they connect our passion. The what we're good at and what we get paid for, that connects our profession. The what the world needs and what we can be paid for, that's our vocation. And the what we love and what the world needs, that's our mission. And all of these come together. When all of these pieces are in place, you have your ikigai. You have that satisfaction, but feeling um, that you can be of use and of service to the world doing what you were meant to do. And you can get paid for it and you can be excited about it every day. That's a beautiful explanation of it. And, you know, those concentric circles that overlap, I think, are, um, you know, passion and mission. We talk about those things a lot, right? That that's the ideal, right? That's the panacea we're all looking for. So let's hear a little bit about your trial and error journey. I called it that (laughs) in the introduction uh, to find your ikigai. What did your detour from teaching really look like? What'd you go through? Well, I had a friend from church. He knew that I was leaving teaching and he said, hey, I think this would be a really great opportunity for you. And it was to join a network marketing group. And I didn't know anything about network marketing at that time. And uh, it was like selling these positive um, uh, trips around the world where you got to grow your 
your business. And I thought, oh, that's really cool because I do want to start my own business. So this will kind of guide me into how to do that. And, uh, and what I learned was all the ways not to do business online. <laughs> I did learn a couple of things that I was able to take with me. I was able to take some of the positive things. I, was, I learned how to do like search engine optimization um, so that I could get on page one of Google. I, I, I learned different things, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And while it was um, a very expensive endeavor for me, it paid off in what I'm able to do today because I know that it was a good transition for me from where I was to where I am. But I felt um, that this friend from church had really led me down a wrong path and had taken advantage because um, he had made me pay $20,000 right out of the gate for to be a part of this. And um, it just, it, it was... It was just a nightmare of a situation, and it was from somebody that I trusted. And so I, I started realizing, like, you really need to do a lot more background research before you just trust somebody, even if you already trust them um, when it comes to business. And um, so I started, like, kind of diving into some other things as well. I was like, okay, so what am I good at? Well, I love crocheting what if I make like all of these beautiful crochet blankets that I could sell? And I, oh, I love making jewelry. I could make jewelry and I could sell that. I could, I could go on to um, Etsy, right? So I tried to start my own Etsy store and I really didn't know enough about marketing in order to do that. I even tried like bringing my stuff to a table, like at a craft fair. And again, I didn't realize that people had email lists at craft fairs, that they tell their people like where they're going to be each week and they get updates and then they come because that person's going to be there and they want to buy from them again. And so I had no idea that that even happened. So I didn't end up selling anything that day except for one pity sale I had. I had set up a little table of like coloring books and those kinds of things for, for kids. And so this one little girl that hung out by me all day, her mom felt bad and let her buy a piece of kid jewelry that I had made. <laughs> I kind of felt like it was a pity sale. Like, oh my God, she's been like watching my kid all day. So uh, feeling yeah. that she's paying the babysitter now. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's the only sale that I made the entire time. And then I had, um, I had decided, you know, I'll try eBay. So I started like buying different clothes and those kinds of things from like rummage sales. I was like, oh, I'll put together these bundles of clothes and then I'll sell them. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've learned is if people aren't really looking for something, they're not going to buy it. Right. Like there has to be a need. Yeah. And you need to be solving some kind of need for them to want to make the purchase. Is there a problem? Is there a solution? You know, you know, I found with, you know, sending out an entire box of clothes while shipping and handling is outrageous. And eBay is like people are in bidding wars, right? So I was like not making any money whatsoever because it was like the amount of money that people were bidding was the amount that it cost me to send it out. So it was like, okay, well, that was actually a loss in money. Um, and then I came up with my own brilliant idea. I'm like, you know, what would be fun. 
I love going on vacations and I know other families and parents like going on vacations, but I know that kids also, you know, struggle with learning sometimes. What if I had these learning vacations where the mom and the dad, they could be like out and, and they could be having some mom and dad time and, and the kids could still be learning about where we are at. So if we're like in Alaska, we could, I could have them like reading books about the Iditarod and then they could actually go on out onto the dog sleds and this would be really, really awesome. But here's the problem. The problem is if people don't know that something exists, they're not searching for it, right? And if they're not searching for it, you can't sell it. So, you know, I had this, it was called Bright Idea Vacations. Not such a bright idea because people aren't looking for that, you know? And and so that's where I really started learning, okay, so if I need to create a service based off of need, what can I create my service from? Which led me back to, I love helping kids with reading. Maybe I could be a reading tutor. So my husband, I love him very, very much, but he led me on this other path. And he said, Joanne, why don't you start working for a tutoring company? Then you can know if you actually like doing it. So I I actually went to a tutoring company. I won't mention the name, but I went to a tutoring company and they were willing to pay me $10 to $15 an hour. Now, I have already gone to college. I've gotten my master's. I know I'm worth more than $15 an hour. And they were going to be charging each family $50 an hour. And they were going to give me three families, three different kids from three different families to work with at a time, which means that they'd be paying me $15 an hour and they would be making $150 an hour. And I thought that's kind of like taking advantage of people. Like that doesn't seem like a good opportunity at all. And so I started to think, what is different between them and me? And I thought, well, they know how to market my services and I don't. But if I learn how to market my services, that I could go in business for myself. And that's where it all started. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I And it took you, and if I, if I, I don't think I lost count, but three, four, four tries, really four tries yeah. to figure out that when you major on the things that you are really good at and love to do, and you're providing a service, fulfilling a need, that's the kind of the, the magic uh, intersection Mm -hmm. of a a brilliant idea that you then can, you can learn to market your services, right? Mm -hmm. You, you know who your audience is. I love that journey. Thank you. And, and tell me, um, tell me about how that um, resulted in your Ikigai. Well, I think it resulted in my guy because, you know, I did find out what I love, and that's teaching reading. I had already known that I don't really like managing other people, which I kind of had to do when I was a reading specialist in the school system. I had to go in and I had to give them feedback on what they were doing, what they weren't doing, how could they do things better, even though they didn't want to know how to do things better. And it's really hard to give advice to people who don't want advice. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that 
I really didn't like about that specific position. And so I knew and I didn't want to have a business where I did have other tutors underneath me because I didn't really enjoy managing other people. I like to just Mm. kind of be responsible for myself, which I know like when people talk about scaling, there's so many other ways that you can scale. Having other tutors underneath you is only one way. It's not the only way. Um, You know, I found out that it's my passion to be able to work with kids. That's actually my mission to help other tutors that are struggling with their tutoring businesses the way that I was. So I've, I've kind of mixed that passion and that mission together. You know, I already know what I'm really good at, which is, is teaching reading. But I found out I love marketing. I absolutely love it. I love learning the marketing strategies. I love networking. I love connecting with people. I love building relationships. And I want to help other people learn how to do that as well. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm, I'm able to get paid for both of those things, for, for the teaching of reading and for, you know, helping out other tutors. There's a need. There are other tutors that were like me. I remember when I was figuring things out, like, with my website and it said things like um, you need to, you need to connect your domain name to your server. And I was like, but I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Right. Like, and so like, I'd read all these different things. How do you do that? Like, how do I, I don't know how to do that. Like none of this language even makes sense to me. This is a new language. I felt like I was hitting my head against a wall and there's so many other tutors that are out there in that same position, right. Where Mm -hmm. they, they, they know they're capable. They know they can do it. They know that they have these skills to be able to to teach and help kids that are struggling, but they really do struggle with how do I get all this tech stuff to work together so I can make it happen? And and this is what the world needs, right? Which brings that on in because people need that. You know, I it came from a place of where was I? Where was I when I was struggling, right? And mm. how can I be of service to people in that? And I never shared my journey with um, with reading, but as a kid, I struggled with reading. And so, mm. you know, I knew that there was a need, A, because I struggled. I knew there was a need because I had students in my third grade classroom, my fourth grade classroom uh, that struggled. I knew there was a need because of my role as a reading specialist. And then as I started my own tutoring business, I knew there was a need because uh, to help other tutors because I was in that place too. And I could see other people that were struggling and asking lots of questions. And so that's where it all comes together. And I have to say, okay, I'm not bragging. But I'm 45 and I just got my first gray hair. <laughs> like seriously, like all the stress and the anxiety yeah. that like a lot of people fail, feel, uh, feel, you know, they do cause gray hairs. But if you experience less stress and anxiety, you know, it does kind of succumb that process from happening as fast as it does for some people. And it can lead as it did with you and for so many others who are not are not recognizing the stress, the level of stress they deal with on a day-to-day basis, doing whatever it is they've chosen to do that may not be working out for them in their careers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you, it was a pain in your side that, you know, the pain like which you've never felt before. Uh, for others, it is insomnia or it's, you know, anxiety. 
heart palpitations. There's so many things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Left unattended, it can turn into, you know, autoimmune deficiencies and disease. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pervasive. I, I see it so much in my, mm-hmm. in my business, in the, in the women I talk to. So I love that you shared that story so transparently for us so that people recognize that if you're not happy doing what you're doing, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You would only explore it. And if you can't see it for yourself, you know, take the break you took and, and, and work with people who can help you see it yeah. so that you can explore other options. And I, you know, I love that this episode, not only for tutors, but teachers, right? So you mm-hmm. help tutors build businesses that are meaningful and, and can be uh, life-changing and life-supporting for their own Mm -hmm. families and for the families of others. But those teachers out there who are running up against the same kinds of uh, administrative issues that you did Mm -hmm. in school systems that just don't work, that they have options too. They do. They do. And with the pandemic, there are so many more teachers. Like it's, it's, I, I do not hear that it's gotten any better. It's only gotten worse. And yeah. um, it's been so stressful for so many, so many teachers. And, and it's such know, a nothing shame. is changing. Nothing yeah. is changing. And it's such a shame because, you know, God knows we need, we need our teachers. We need great teachers. And we need those first year teachers not to give up after the first year. Right. Like you. Yeah figuring it out and figuring out how to manage the classroom and then, you know, and your anger. Uh, There's so many facets of your story that I love. Uh, Joanne, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing all of it. I I am sure that um, you've got some great leave behind nuggets, takeaways that, our audience will learn from. So this is the part of the show where uh, many of our viewers say it's the best part because we share practical tips and strategies. And it's why we call the show tips for the transition. So Joanne, what are some of the tips? Let's start with your first one. What are your, your favorite tips that you'll leave with us? Always keep learning. I think so many of us think that learning is a process that we do when we're in school. But we need to be constant learners. Like school is just the first step. It's it's supposed to be insight into how we learn so that we can continue to learn for the rest of our lives. But a lot of people I talk to, they never pick up a book ever again after school. Yeah. We need to keep learning. We need to keep, you know, uh, whatever it is. Like I always think like, what is the next thing that you need to be learning so that you can reach the goals that you want to be able to achieve. And once you can do that, I mean, anything is going to be possible. Nothing's going to stop you. I had somebody say to me, how do I get better at becoming, you know, a, a, a reading teacher? I said, they said, like, I don't have money to go back to school or do any of that kind of stuff. And I said, but you have access to the same exact books that everybody else has. Just start diving in. 
Like here, here's some, here's some titles, you know, start reading. Like that's how you get better. You get better by learning from the people who came before you. And when you, when you really take that into, take that to heart and whether it's you're learning because you're starting a new business or you're learning because you, you know, you, you want to be able to learn a new skill. Like I'm, I'm learning pottery right now and I'm taking classes to learn pottery. Learning something new keeps your brain activated. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. It'll actually hold back dementia and lots of great stuff, no matter where you're at in your life. Yeah. And I, and I think it also keeps our imagination uh, working and fresh. And it's through imagination that we can expand our horizons. And it's, I, I love that you just said that because uh, that you shared that tip, because one of the questions that I often ask my clients is what do you think you need to learn to change that, whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? What do you think you need to learn to overcome that obstacle that is keeping you stuck? Because mm-hmm. if you stop learning, you get stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's not a place we, any one of us should stay for very long. I know, or complacent. Um, Complacency, like Absolutely. being yeah. comfortable too is... is, yeah. is 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 not as it seems like a beautiful place. I thought that's what I wanted once. I thought I just wanted to be comfortable and not have to like learn all this new stuff to figure on out. But it turns out I actually get energized and excited when I learn something new and I'm able to apply it and I get better at it. And what a wonderful role model then you make for the people that you're teaching, for your own children, for your husband, for the people around you who love you, and for those people, those children you're teaching and those other tutors, that makes you such a beautiful role model to follow. Because if it's working for you, if you've Mm -hmm. proved that this journey you've been on has led you here, Mm -hmm. and you have this ikigai kind of life, what you're meant to be doing, then... I mean, I, I, I think role models are essential in everybody's life. If we have mm-hmm. someone to look to who's been where we are and has moved beyond it to follow, then we don't mm-hmm. have to reinvent the wheel. Nope. Wonderful. All right. Do you have another tip for us? You bet. It is um, don't be afraid to be seen. You know, it's so easy to hide. Um, you know, when it comes to being seen, I, I work with a lot of tutors and teachers that they've actually don't even have social media accounts and they're scared of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But social media is a great way as an online tutor to be able to connect with people, meet people, be able to help them solve problems. You know, it's not all bad out there. And I think there's so many people that think that, you know, we, we need to hide. We need to we can't show our picture. We have to hide behind a logo. I always tell people like your logo should be the last thing that you ever create for your business. (laughs) It should not be the first thing that you create because you're still trying to figure out what your business is. How can you create a a logo when you're still in confusion stage, right? You can't, you can't create that all into one small, simple image and you really can't hire it out because they, if you don't, if you can't explain it to somebody else, right. They can't help you be able to design something. So first, figure out who you are. Your face is the face of your business. If you are, if you're like me, 
It's your brand. So, you know, show it, be afraid. Don't be afraid to put your profile picture up there as you. Like your cat and your dog, they may be cute and adorable, but they are not you. Um, they don't, they don't share like what you look like or, or given any insight into who you are. People hire people that they know, like, and trust, right? And you have a picture of yourself smiling, professionally done. That will speak louder than so many other people that are out there that they could possibly hire. They can just look at that and be like, wow, she's really professional. Okay. I want to hire her because we do buy off of, you know, what we see. And we're like, oh, it looks like we've got a good package here. She knows how to teach reading. She's showing her face. You know, I can see what she looks like. I feel like I know her. She looks like the girl next door, whatever the case may be. Right. And, you know, it's just the, it's just the start. So don't be afraid to be seen, get out there uh, and let people know. Um, you know, a lot of teachers, they, when we decide we're not going to teach anymore and we think about people who leave for tutoring, we almost think of it as a step down. It is not a step down. Just because I'm not teaching an entire classroom anymore doesn't mean that I'm less than because I choose to work with kids one-on-one. -on -one. I get paid more money today than I ever made when I was inside of the classroom. So it's definitely not a step down. But I think that's how a lot of people look at it. And so they're scared to talk to other people about it because of yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, I think there's also the opportunity to look at it differently, right? Because you're working one-on-one -on -one with kids you can have a bigger impact sooner, mm -hmm. right? And that matters yes. to the children, to their families. That serves a tremendous need. Yes. And that is not a step down. Yeah, yeah. definitely not. So the, the whole idea of being seen is feeling worthy, mm -hmm. right? About who you are, what you offer. Be really clear about that. And don't be afraid to put yourself out there so that because people can't buy your service unless they know what you do. Mm -hmm. And that was one of one of the, the hardest things for me to do when I first started my business years ago is putting myself out there and letting people know what I do and feeling uh, comfortable saying this is what I do. This is how I prepared to do this. This is why I'm an expert at it and, 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 and just, and follow that path and mm -hmm. don't, and, and, and it is a path and it takes time to consist and be consistent, right? Be consistent. Yes. Yeah. Consistency is really a big piece. And in yeah. fact, that could be the next tip because we automatically think, oh, I have this idea. So I'm going to create this website saying that I'm going to be like this tutor, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Got the website up. Oh, gosh, but I can't push publish because there's going to be a flood. Oh, <laughs> the flood <laughs> will never happen. Flood. Yeah, I won't be able to handle the flood of people that will be able to find me now. Okay, no. you are so minuscule. I don't even know what they call it, right? So minuscule in the internet world when you create one website and nobody can find it without directions. Right. So you don't ever have to worry about the flood. What you have to worry about is consistency. Continue each day to take actions to get clients. Because I can't have a tutoring business if I don't have students. Right. I often would put the wrong I would I would put my efforts in the wrong places. Yeah. 
And so I was like creating all these resources and tools to be able to teach kids online. Didn't realize, Joanne, you already know all the resources and tools that exist online. Just use those. Yeah. And, and like yeah. for some reason, I was like just stuck. I'm like, oh, but I need guided reading books. And I have the guided reading books on my shelf over there. And they're all organized beautifully, by the way. I have never since picked one up off my shelf to wow. use with a student. Yeah. They're so, not needed. Those are such powerful lessons for people to hear. So, you know, focus on what's important to get the business going. Mm-hmm. And the rest will follow. And and you yeah. may, you those ideas you had about things you need you need to have at the ready before you you know publish or your website or before you start to market. Not really true. If yeah, you were if you were able to because you're a pro because you know your stuff. If you were able to hire your first few clients just by talking with people and letting them know what you offer and get the ball rolling there. Mm -hmm. That's what's important to get that income started, get those trusted people as your advocates because they love how you're teaching their kids. Mm -hmm. That's when the momentum starts and the other stuff will follow if it's even really necessary. Exactly. Exactly. You're, my students, I always look at it this way. My students determine the resources I use. It's not the other way. It's not like the school system where I have a curriculum and I teach that curriculum, right? I take a look at what is it that my students need. And then I take a look at what resources could support us in reaching that goal. So that's so it's, it's very backwards. You customize what you do for each one of your clients. I love that. I do the same thing. I love that. Yeah. And it's so important because it's more impactful. The transformation is is bigger, faster, better as a result of you taking that that time to figure out what do you as an individual need mm-hmm. and how can I serve that? Right. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Joanne, thank you so much. Thank you. We could chat here for because there's so much good stuff that that we could talk about. But I I love that we hit on what I think are the high points. Uh, I know that there are going to be people out there who are watching this or or listening to uh, the audio version of this, that they're going to want to know how to get in touch with you. So what's the one best way they can do that? So my website is onlinetutorcoach.com, online, O-N-L-I-N-E, tutor, T-U-T-O-R, coach, C-O-A-C-H.com. And I also have a gift if you add slash backslash 50. Um, I have uh, 50 plus ways to get online tutoring students because that's the very first thing that we want to know. How do I get students, right? How do I, how do I start this journey? So um, you, can, you can find uh, me there. What a gift. 50 plus ways. Wow. That's such a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I really oh, appreciate what you do. And I, I love that you have found a way to take your passion for teaching to the next level and mm-hmm. that you're impacting so many students and other people like you who want to tutor them. I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. All right, so we are going to wrap things up here. 
And uh, for those of you who are watching and listening, I really appreciate that you're a part of this community. So if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a comment. Tell us what you thought. Um, leave us a review. And if there's a star rating where you are, pick a star. Uh, I, as I said at the top of the show, I love creating and sharing resources for professional women who feel stuck in their careers. So if something in this episode resonates with you and you would like a fresh perspective on it, let's continue the conversation. You will find links in the show notes below to learn more about Joanne and, and, and me. And I invite you to continue this conversation uh, in my private Facebook group called the Career Transition Roadmap. The link for that is below as well. So let's meet again next week, same time, uh, because you know what? I believe it is our time to thrive. So let's thrive together. Until next time, I'm Maria Tomas Keegan, helping you turn transition into triumph. Mm-hmm.